so super Kaylee is mm. saving the world but what kind of like um what kind of outfit would you have what would be your superhero costume uniform whatever the word is for it I like uniform um well I guess the most important thing we've learned from all movies is that there should be no capes Madonna showed us that this is a bad thing that was my first question well my first question about it was going to be would you have a cape because I think opinion is divided on this subject well if you watched Madonna you would know it's not divided did you see her fall yeah but like Madonna has many like fashion statements that I wouldn't wear practically Mm, it's true but I I was thinking of as like superheroes who I enjoy don't often wear capes like I can't really think of any in the Marvel Universe who have capes actually Thor has a cape yeah he's a god and Doctor Strange clues in the name so I don't really want to be like either of those two I don't think Batman Batman has a cape he's known for it He's not Marvel, is he? Well, he can't just start rolling DC into the mix. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for mixing things up like this. I think his cape is not really a cape so much as a practical tool. Like he uses it to glide, doesn't he? Like a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're... If, you know, it's kind of necessary for him to be able to glide. He gets places quickly. He's like Uber in the sky. Yeah. He is a bit like Uber in the sky. He doesn't often carry people. But when he does... <laughs> He could probably make a little bit of money when they're out of crime. So I think no cape, personally. Are you going to have a cape? I was debating whether to have a cape. I know Edna Mode says no capes. No capes. No capes. But um, I guess I would have a cape that's a bit more like Batman's in that it's um, it's kind of a rigid thing that can fold up. So more like winged, like a glider kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can glide. I like, yeah, that makes sense. Because that's the thing with Daredevil is that he... He can like parkour himself across the rooftops, but there must be times when he really needs a cape. Like you can't just jump from one building to another all the time in New York, can you? It's not that dense. dense in New York. Up. So specific, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I don't often do it. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Spider-Man gets by. He doesn't have a cape. Yeah, but he has webs. <laughs> He swings on super sticky webs. I think Daredevil's thing is he doesn't need to travel that far. He's very much a Hell's Kitchen kind of guy. I assume the buildings are quite close together there. Whereas Batman's um, Batman's uh, range, his 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 delivery range is <laughs> is like an entire city, isn't it? Whereas yeah, Daredevil's more localized. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on how much traveling and traversing we plan to do as superheroes. Mm. I'm thinking I'm going to keep it local. I might mm-hmm. actually now I'm gonna do because I can't do the whole of the UK, can I? I mean, if you had suit the superpower of moving very fast or freezing time or something, then yeah, you could. But I guess yeah, I guess it depends on what your superpower is. Yeah, I think I'd kind of want like a sort of armored situation going on. You know, like um, Daredevil. These guys have like the because I feel like I mean we saw that in the first episode where he gets shot in the head and he's fine. Yeah, I want yeah. something like that to keep me pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I kind of want something quite practical. I don't really care if it's skin tight or not. It's not. In fact, I prefer it not to be after lockdown. I think yeah, <laughs> skin tight though it can't be practical because imagine how many like skin sores you're going to get from everything just rubbing against you. You need some kind of looseness. Like if you're buying workout clothes, mm. you can't go too tight. Otherwise, everything just rips from Unless when you're leggings. squatting. <laughs> leggings Unless, are fine. Yeah, I guess yeah. You need skin tight but elasticated. Yeah, 
I do. I very much need that. I think I would have to do leggings of some kind, maybe a sort of cool, longish, tunicky armoured top. Obviously low cut because that's what women do. Mm. Um, maybe even something on the arms, a bit like Wonder Woman. So I like, but what's it called? Like grappling hooks. I'm thinking Lara Croft style where she can just sort of. That does, yeah, her grappling hook comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Maybe it comes out of a vagina. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you never know with her. She's a risky, and maybe like a little backpack for my stuff. That's very Lara Croft. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just want Lara Croft's costume. But like a Mary Poppins backpack that can have like a lamp in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like at least 20 medikits, Uzis if I need them. Mm. Um, what else did she have? She had everything she could possibly want. A map, because I get lost easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you'd have a phone. You'd have like a little um, pouch for your phone. And then mm. you got Google Maps on that. <laughs> That's what they need in one of these superhero movies or TV series. They need them to suddenly stop and go, oh, shit, where am I supposed to be? And they get their phone out, go on Google Maps and try and work it out. They do, because I feel like they all just instinctively know. And when I'm in London, even if I'm somewhere I've been hundreds of times before, I do sometimes stop and go, hmm, <laughs> I just need to get my bearings for a second. I've walked slightly too fast. And, and sometimes sometimes you get Google Maps out and you start walking, you realise you're going the wrong way, so you turn around again. Yes. This is where it's why it's so important. Boots that have like trainer-like soles for running. That's um, yeah, pretty essential, I think. Yeah, and I'd like to be bright colours, a bit like Kimmy Schmick, so I feel like I'd look more friendly. Some superheroes, like the Punisher, mm. don't really look that friendly. You kind of get confused as to whether they're one of the good guys or not. Yeah, and you don't want to be too intimidating uh, because ultimately you're going to attack the bad guys regardless of how intimidating you look. So I guess it's your costume is more for the public, isn't it? It really is. Have you seen um, Squirrel Girl? No. Well, I quite like her. She's a superhero who has the powers of squirrels. She has a tail and everything. Is she in Marvel? She is, yeah. <laughs> she is actually a babysitter for Jessica Jones in um, a couple of comics. She's she's a squirrel who's a babysitter. And a superhero. <laughs> and she has a tail. She has a little tail, yeah. Helps her balance. So she has quite a nice sort of down-to-earthy costume. And have you seen The Boys on Amazon Prime? No, I haven't watched that. So that might be good for you to watch at the end of Marvel when that comes, because it's a sort of parody satire about, like, you probably have seen it, but it's like all the superheroes as if they were celebrities and they've got mm. PRs and people who work on their brand and their costume. So you're right. I would kind of want something mm. that makes me look friendly to the public. Would you have a mask of some kind? So as Jessica Jones rightly points out, you can't really see, and I've got glasses, although I probably wear contact lenses while I'm being super... Mm. Maybe more practical because, like, if you're going upside down across the buildings and stuff, like when you're parkouring or flying yeah. or whatever you're doing, your glasses will fly off. And they, you know, prescription glasses are pretty expensive. They are. I don't have time to be buying more. I'll go for contact lenses. I think like a little hood, like Electra's hood, was quite nice. I like Electra's um, little sort of um, COVID face mask that she has, where she, it's like a scarf that comes up over her nose and her mouth, which is very safe of her, but also looks really cool. I'd have that. I think I kind of, her costume actually is basically what I've just described, minus the colour. So maybe her costume, but in like yellow? Yeah. <laughs> yellow and pink? I don't know. You, you go. You probably got a much better said, idea than me. Not really. I mean, I had, I said I'd have the the, the glider wings that could fold in somehow um mm. and they'd be lightweight because it'll be some kind of like magic material that is, exists in this world like you know yep. 
there's always a magic material. They're like, we just designed it. It weighs nothing, but it's the strongest thing that's ever existed. Precisely, precisely. And yeah, the mask would come up from the bottom rather than the top because it looks better, even though that's not practical because you do want to protect your head. Mm, you could wear a helmet. <laughs> like a bicycle helmet. Yeah, you could. I'll be, like, be like I sent out to um, do superhero things by my mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you look like a messenger boy. I'd love it. Well, we're following that theme. I should have like elbow pads and kneecap pads, shin pads. <laughs> yeah. All that governs. Then when you fall over, you're like, it's fine. My trusty shin pads have saved the day once again. Exactly. I think I'd want it to be full body and there to be some kind of like furry inner lining because I'd worry about getting cold. Well, you would be moving around a lot. Like I've been worried about going, because I walk the dog a lot in the cold mm. and I always get hot. If you pick up the pace, You'll be and fine. If you're facing death and your adrenaline's going, you don't really think about the cold. That's true. Because you see, like, in superhero films, they're, they're dressed in virtually nothing sometimes and they're just standing there in the snow like it's <laughs> like it's a summer's day or something. They're very super, though. Maybe they've got the super hotness going on. Maybe I could, it, there'd be something inside it that can regulate temperature within, like, your whole body. Ah, that like can... women's tights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just wear women's tights. Maybe you should talk to MS. They make very good ones and they might be able to do a full body tight for you. Clothes have no gender at the end of the day. They so. don't. I don't know why I said women's tights. I'm sure it says women's tights in the aisle. Does oh, it I bet it does. Oh, yeah, I probably, it probably does. <laughs> what else would I have? I do like the whole Batman thing of him having lots of gadgets just hidden about, like a sort of Inspector Gadget thing. Oh, my God. He is Inspector Gadget, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the utility belt. That is the coolest bit of Batman's costume. It is, although it can't be very comfortable because, you know, a belt can dig into you sometimes. Yeah, I don't think he's really eating lots on the job, though, so he might be fine. <laughs> no, no, that's true. It, and he doesn't have any sort of rolls of fat that might it might dig into. So, Well, he might do, but he does hide them under that very carefully sculpted piece of body armour. I think I, I'd, I'd have, yeah, I'd have the carefully sculpted body armour to make it look like I was much more built than I actually am. Be like, yeah, I go to the gym <laughs> as I shiftily look from side to side. You look like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the um, the Batman and Daredevil little ears or horns. I think they're, quite, especially on, on Daredevil because they're so tiny and insignificant, but they're a bit cute at the same time. I wish they made a joke about it in the series. I like when he just switch, switches into like going into a full costume mode, doesn't he? And he never really acknowledges the fact that he's now inspired by the devil. Got the little horns. You also never see a moment where the the superheroes, um, like he'll hear something or Batman will get like summoned or whatever. And then literally in the next scene, they're in the costume. You never see them just like running down the stairs, trying to get a boot on like, oh shit, I'm going to be late. And they're all like trying to get into their costume being like, I swear this fit this morning. That's true. You only really see Iron Man put his up, and that's because it all flies onto him, which mm. is very handy. I quite like that in the mornings. And in most of them, they're very impractical if you're trying to go to the toilet. If you need a toilet break mid-fight, then you have to take off the whole thing, a bit like dungarees. Well, or you don't. <laughs> or they got a little flap. Oh, that's yeah. what I would have. I'd have flaps <laughs> for like convenient, there's... convenient expulsion of bodily waste. Like one of those Western like old cowboys who's running on the street in his pajamas with the butt flap hanging over. Yeah. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> Would you want a hat? A magnificent hat? That... If I'm flying, no. 
But uh, if I was a non-flying superhero, then and who like walks around, then that would be cool. It'd yeah. be like a Carmen San Diego kind of look. I feel that you can portray a lot of magnificence with a well-chosen hat, and no superhero that I'm thinking of in my head right now has a hat. Well, they're not very. I guess they're not very practical because they can just fly off. Like you are going to be moving quite a lot. A supervillain would have a hat because a supervillain is less likely to move because they usually have a power that they can just do like from a distance, like Kilgrave or someone like that. True, but Indiana Jones wears a hat. He moves a lot. Mm, is he a superhero? No, I know. I'm just saying he moves. I'm thinking of people. Yes, because yes, people... he is a human being. <laughs> yeah. You said he, he would move a lot. He moves significantly quickly through tombs. He does. Not so much in the fourth film. No, he moves not No at fault of Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> this is his age. Bless him. He tries. Uh, I think I'd quite like a hat. I think if I was being my superhero who time travels, my costume would obviously be like a Victorian, mm. you know, corset bustle mm. situation with a nice hat bonnet situation. And your idea was more about solving mysteries. So if you're a more sort of cerebral superhero who has powers, but does more of like mind work, a mm. hat is perfect. Yes. And it's also a good disguise because I can sort of pull it over my face a little bit. Yeah. Because that's that's not conspicuous at all, doing that. <laughs> In the olden days, they would be like, oh, good, bashful woman. That's what she should be doing. You'd need a fan. You'd put your face behind a fan. they go, oh, she's so coy. Ignore her. Whereas <laughs> now I would probably not. I would just have my little floaty hood. You know, I don't know, the little floaty hood thing. But like, Well, like a widow thing, a uh, veil. <gasps> no, well, yeah, like a sort of Princess Jasmine in the new movie vibe. Oh, right, yeah. I guess it's a type of veil. Yeah, I think that would go quite well because that's kind of like a mask that you can breathe and see through it, but no one can really see you. What's the name of the little tiny hats that people wear at weddings? Fascinator. A fascinator. Yeah, <laughs> I could wear one of them. You look like someone at cosplay, but you know, <laughs> that's not a bad thing, I'm just saying. It's what you would look like. That's what most superheroes look like, to be honest. So, Because <laughs> people go to cosplay as superheroes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or I could go for a sort of, I don't know, when you add a mask, I always think you veer towards villain territory, like, you know, Scream, Jason. It depends. I guess it depends on the mask. If, if the mask is fully, fully covers your face, and yeah, if it's just half the face, then that's okay. So you're still showing your humanity. Well, you say that, but Phantom only had half his face covered and he's definitely... A yeah, bad. but he was hiding disfigurement. And as we all know, people with disfigurements are bad people. Yeah, so we have established this in previous episodes. <laughs> Disclaimer, we do not actually think this. It's just a, a very toxic trope that occurs in many <laughs> movies and TV series. Particularly Disney. Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. But we're not talking about Disney. We're going back to Netflix. 
Dun, dun, dun. The gloom and doom and gloom of Netflix. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going back to Hell's Kitchen and talking about Daredevil Part 2, Season 2. Yeah, and I'm intrigued to know what you think, because I know you liked the first half, but you didn't love the second half. And I was like, what? Don't, are- roll, your, don't roll your eyes when you, you, you say my criticism back to me. I'm just saying those are the words you said. My eyes, I can't control. They do that when they... they- <laughs> They do that when you look down on what I think, yeah. They just start rolling, I can't help it. What did you think of season two? I preferred it to season one much, 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 much more. Really? Much, much more. I loved this. I was unsure because I know you liked Mr. Fisk and he's not really in it. I was like, oh, Paul, he's so upset. I, well, he was, obviously he was briefly in it, but going back over what I said about Daredevil season one, don't roll your eyes. I can't <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so I did like it but I had sort of one or two little criticism about it the first one was I felt that it slowed down a bit mm-hmm. too much and the second one was a bit more specific it was more about the flashback uh moment so that you'd have a you have a flashback about various flashback about his life and about Fisk's life and Netflix loves this. Like around about episode six or seven of a Netflix series, you're going to have like a bottle episode where it's going to go back in time and you're going to discover more about the main character. And sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. When it works well, it's because it benefits the character or it benefits the story that's already going. And I felt that in season one, it didn't. that wasn't always the case. Sometimes it was, but it wasn't. Sometimes I felt like it was a filler. Mm. Season two, whenever that happens it completely benefits the story. Like I felt like I learned more about what was happening um, in there. I'm thinking of like Electra's backstory, yeah. which was really important. Cause without that, you'd be like, why the hell is Stick trying to kill her? <laughs> it's just, who is she? Who is she? And Where's who even is from? she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just pops up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I felt like it was just, just perfectly paced all the way through it. I was just like, I need to watch the next one. I need to watch the next one. I never slow down. I'm so glad they got rid of that goddamn Catholic priest. Yeah, you weren't a fan of him. And I was thinking you will like the season better because he's not there. (laughs) These were the scenes I hated in the first season because it's just these endless confessional scenes where he's like, am I a good person or am I a bad person? I'm like, you're good, Daredevil. You're a good person. Now pull yourself together and go fight something. I guess they need to notice. I guess the, that, the problem with that was they were doing a very tell don't show whereas in this one they're doing show don't tell which is the pr- preferred method because they've got he's confronted with a vigilante who's you know quite I'm going to say more in the grey than <laughs> in the shades of grey he's the dark mm. end of shades of grey he's mm. probably like 49 of the 50 um, yes <laughs> shade, shade number 49 yeah he's that one you're like is it is that black? No, it's just grey. It's it's, it's, um, it's a Dulux colour called Grey Specks in Black Night. Yes, and that is the Punisher. So he's kind of confronted with all these moral ambiguities that surround being a vigilante. So you don't need to have him constantly going, am I wrong? Am I right? Because you just see it playing out. Let's go into the Punisher as a start, because that's sort of where it all kicks off, is that a lot of various gangs... Um, all of which are basically just identified by where they're from, which, mm-hmm. you know, don't know how I feel about that, but you got like the Irish, the Mexicans, <laughs> the Russians, and they're all basically, uh, the Chinese, they're all basically being uh, killed off 
by yeah. some mysterious force. And it turns out it's just one man and he's called the Punisher or Frank Castle, played by the guy who was in The Walking Dead for the first couple of seasons or so. Yep, the guy. I don't think the Punisher sounds way cooler than Frank. Frank, yeah. <laughs> All right, Frank. Frank it's like mate down the pub, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I just think of East Senders. Well, Castle is quite cool. Frank Castle. Castle's cool, but you don't always say someone's last name. Mm. It's like when you have a baby and the baby's called, as you say before, from Kimmy Schmidt, Linda. You'd have to say Linda the baby. It doesn't work on its own. So Frank Castle. Because if you say, oh, Linda did this, immediately you're going to think of a woman aged between 50 and 70, yeah. I guess. Exactly. It's the same with Frank Castle. If they just said Frank was by, you'd be like, huh? What did he did Yeah, he I don't think they ever, well, the only time they call him Frank is when Karen's trying to subdue him. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's when she's like, Frank, Frank, the rest of the time it's the Punisher or Frank Castle. Urgh. It's because they know he sounds like the sort of person who plays the slot machines otherwise, like when those sort of sleazy Brighton yeah. gambling places. You know the ones I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been I've been there, I've done the slot machines. <laughs> We've done it. We know it. Nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he is basically on this massive rampage where he just wants to slaughter everyone who's bad in the city. Any kind of, you know, human trafficker. Blah, blah, blah. Whereas in contrast, Daredevil slash Matt Murdock wants to put them in prison. But mm. obviously Frank Castle's more of the, he's more of the sort of Daily Mail reading uh, uh, death penalty kind of person who's like, well, why don't we just kill them all off? And Daredevil's like, well, it doesn't make you better than them. And he's like, I don't care. Rrr. And that's basically the contrast. Yeah, if you look at Dungeons and Dragons in the, the mode of like chaotic good and neutral good, lawful good, Daredevil's very much lawful good. Mm. And I guess Punisher is chaotic neutral. Yes. And, okay. and but it does address the fact that the Punisher could potentially have a point because he points out that Daredevil just sends people into prison, but then in prison, all the, and I use inverted commas here, bad people are in there. And that is that kind of um, issue that we have in society of prison being a revolving door of criminals, because, you know, if and especially around people who are being radicalized by terrorist groups, that if they're found to be radicalized and plotting something, they get put in prison where the rest of the terrorist group is. So then they'll come out and they've still been radicalized, probably radicalized even more by that. And that's addressed when uh, Frank Castle does eventually end up in prison and meets Wilson Fisk, who is basically um, consolidating his entire power again within the prison. And everyone's kind of on his side or at least on on a rival gang side or something. It covers that kind of issue, really. But what I liked was that you, it doesn't faff about by the second episode. You've met Frank. You know who he is. You don't know his full backstory yet which eventually turns out he wants vengeance for his wife and his children being murdered in a shootout, basically. Yeah. Um, the age old story. <laughs> and, yeah. And then he, and then he can, is going to, he gets arrested. So by like episode three or four, he's been arrested and he's in the hands of the police. Matt has decided that he and Foggy and Karen are going to represent him because they want him to go to prison, not have the death penalty because the police want to basically give him the death penalty. You see, they're Daily Mail readers as well. Exactly. So this is where, then that's where it all gets kind of very intriguing and tricky and uh, everyone's kind of questioning their values here mm. in that like Daredevil who is trying to stop him is also trying to prevent him from, you know, a, ba a bad fate. 
even though he himself has murdered so many people. Um, However, around about episode four, a second storyline comes into it. So they're keeping things packed up and keeping things moving. And that was where I was like, yes, (laughs) that's what the first season needed. It needed another second (laughs) storyline. And we enter Electra. Well, we don't. She enters. Well, she enters Electra. Well, we don't. Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. Why did I say it like that? That's weird. Phrasing, Paul. Phrasing is very important. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Who's an, a sort of super sexy old flame who, li- who also likes to kind of assassinate and kill people and stuff. Bonds them. You know, if you like killing people, you want to date someone who likes killing people. Apparently, that seems the way forward. Well, that's what, you know, you have... You have something to talk about at the end of the day, don't you? You don't want to sort of work with someone, then go on a date and it's all a bit awkward. A little bit like, say, Matt Murdock and Karen Page. Yeah, well, I think you and I both agreed that Karen was better with Foggy. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. So, yeah, immediately we get that like this massive difference. Between, so Matt is kind of, and Karen are kind of, well, Karen kind of likes him. She's like, I'm kind of like him. And I'm like, what on earth do you see in his attractive good looks and and intelligence Karen what could you possibly see in that and their but their dating is very kind of peaceful and normal Mm. and then whereas Matt with Electra everything's very exciting and they're facing death in the face and stuff and you get that nice little contrast as well I think which is cool but then Electra gets him in it gets him involved in the storyline with the hand yes what terrifying yeah they're 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 they are terrifying. <laughs> it becomes a bit horror movie-like in places, this series. Literally. they So the Hand are some kind of a mystical group of Japanese, the Japanese ninjas mm. who are like undead. Yeah. They're meant to be undead, aren't they? So he, they have no heartbeats. We so he can't hear them, which immediately is like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's, that's his only thing he can do. <laughs> yeah. And they want to like, just bring people back from the dead and they've got like they've got all these people imprisoned in cages and they're like harvesting their blood or something i didn't really get what was happening with that but i get the impression that the hand are not done with yet it's a big it's a big leap from last season when the um, villains were quite realistic and grounded and Mm. then this is like super zombie people with ninja moves you're like what (laughs) like magic people magic ninjas Still human trafficking, though. Don't worry. We've not jumped too far away from that, but human trafficking was obvious. Exactly. And, you know, you still get you still get social issues going around. Like, the whole Frank Castle thing is still... That keeps it grounded, while the magic ninjas are something brand new. And, yeah, they were just absolutely terrifying, I thought. And um, so you got these two storylines going in tandem, which is, like I said, it just keeps the pace up, and it's just really, really intriguing. And I just wanted to know more at all times and what would happen next. The scene in the hospital is the scariest bit. It reminds me of a classic, classic horror movie, like 28 Days Later type vibes. Have you ever seen Village of the Damned? No. So you know the the only episode of The Simpsons where um, I think Bart really wants to go see like a a horror movie and it's being marketed as like the scariest horror movie ever. It got banned from all these things and it's called like The Bloodening. And it's basically these little kids who are like, we know all your secrets and they sort of read people's minds and stuff. Mm-hmm. that's the village of the dams that's uh, okay. it's, a, it's a parody of that and it's a very old film but it's basically uh, in this little village in england all the women suddenly fall pregnant at exactly the same time and they all give birth at exactly the same time to all these children who are like blonde and blue-eyed and pale and they're all, all the children grow up and you realize they're like aliens basically who have been 
put onto the planet to take over or something like that. Um, but it was it was basically like that. They were, like they had all these sort of undead people. So they they were controlled by the hands. Yeah, they all just they all just sort of turned around at the same time, and night nurse was like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, 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 night nurse." It's yeah. I was like, "Oh, you need to get out, run away," because I like you, I, even though I know she's fine. But it, so, <laughs> so ran, her random friend got stabbed straight through with a like a sword. It was a lot darker and bloodier. And that's surprising because the last season wasn't exactly lacking in darkness. It wasn't. There were many violent bits in the first season, but this had even more violent bits. Yeah. Um, at, uh, and amidst all this, it turns out Electra is working for Stick, who is Matt Murdock's old mentor. Mm. And Stick is trying to bring down the hands, basically. I love how vague all the, hand, the hands are, the names are in um, the world of Daredevil compared to other superheroes. Mm. But in, in those ones, we've got stuff like Hydra and, you know, the, you know all these like very evil sounding names. This is just like stick, hand, tree, <laughs> whatever they feel like. Those are, there'll be one called nose, the nose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way down. The hand is actually a terrifying part of the body, I guess, in that sense. Is it? I suppose it, yeah, it, it's because there there isn't actually a hand. No. Like it's not like it's led by a hand. Like yeah. a like thing in the Adams family, but it it, it the, a hand I guess um, suggests control and manipulation, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's what you strike out with as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I think all the metaphor. Like I play a video game, and there's a the what there's two women in it. One's called the left hand, and one's called the right. And one's like, oh, I'm the far reaching of law and order, and the other one's like, I I'm the spy. I do this. I do that. Um, mm. I is the left hand the bad one? Like the left hand darker? The dark yeah, yeah, yeah. The dark left hand of the divine. Like the old, the, you know what the Latin is for right and left? Mm-mm. So the Latin for right is dextra. I'm sure we get dexterous and stuff and right handed people are dexterous. The, the, the Latin word for left is sinistra. And you get the word <laughs> sinister from it, basically. So that's why left handedness, because it's rarer anyway, but um, that's why you know, back in the day people would be forced not to write with their left hand but with their right hand instead and left-handed people are like oh they're people of the devil I'm left-handed so I qu- I'm quite proud of that really I like it I just think that the me- like the hand reaching out and doing things but like whatever the master at the behind the scenes is that's kind mm. of what I see it as yeah but it was they kept it quite vague exactly what the hand wants to do like it they're able to sort of resurrect people from the dead like they had um they managed to get one of the bodies of the undead ninjas and they basically realized that this ninja has been autopsied before mm. and a night nurse slash claire temp no 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 night nurse is she's basically like you mean he died before she's like absolutely horrified by it <laughs> and you do feel her horror really that was that is quite it's quite gross but yeah that's that's kind of they, they don't really go into what their motivations are they don't really because they have the guy from the first season who's kind sort of leading them is it oh, i can't remember what his name is now but he dies by having his head chopped off at the very end of oh, yeah. season two mm-hmm. but i didn't get the impression he was the ultimate leader i didn't get the impression they had a leader it was just sort of a a force yeah i didn't get yeah i think that's how they want you to see it mm. I also agree with what you just said there about um, Miss Miss No 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 Night Nurse. No 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 Night Nurse. We're talking about Claire Temple as played by Rosario Dawson, but I like the fact she's called Night Nurse in the comics. But it's cool having um, it's cool having a grounded like medical professional in 
in the room who isn't used to this sort of thing because if you think about how this would have been handled in agents of shield we would have had fitz and simmons on the case and they'd be like oh my gosh he's been autopsied before oh it would be very ordinary whereas it's nice having someone who feels that horror yeah and it they they don't because that's the thing like as i'm gradually going through agents of shield season three ready for our next agents of shield episode looking forward to that one uh, Agents of Shield is noticed, it's uh, it's rated twelve, and although there's blood in it, it doesn't it doesn't like dwell on the violence. Like people get shot, there's a bit of blood, but they fall down. That's it. Mm. In this one, people get shot multiple times and are there, and you can literally see the blood just pumping out of them for ages. Yeah. Or there's the bit where in one of the later episodes when Frank's sort of out of prison and her, him and Karen are in the cafeteria and he gets her to hide in the kitchen mm. and he stabs a guy several times. You can hear it's it's like the sounds in the the shower scene in Psycho, where you can literally hear it going in and in, and, in, and the guys like look, 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 and it's just the the various sound effects that just make it even more grotesque and nasty and ugh. yeah, it's grim. It's very Jurassic Park as well, having her hide in the kitchen while he deals with the situation in the cafeteria. Mm, the less velociraptors though. Yeah, that would be what the show's missing, I'd say. I felt sorry for the owner of that cafe, though, because she was obviously some nice lady. And Karen's like, get in the kitchen now. And then this lady then has to clear up these two dead bodies. But never mind. (laughs) There was that awful shooting as well in the... um, In uh, Ray's office. Ray's office. Yes, yes. That was very shocking and caught me off guard the first time I saw it. Yeah. You're like, wow, this speech is going to go on for a while and it's going to be like, they come together. Oh no, she's she's dead. <laughs> That's it. It, it. it moved forwards in very unexpected ways. Like, I didn't expect to know much about Frank Castle until much later in the, se- in the season, but you do find out pretty much everything about him to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. And then they always have something after it to happen. And then Reyes suddenly dies. Yeah, so Reyes is, at first they think she's totally corrupt, but... I don't think I wouldn't describe her as corrupt when you find out. It basically turns out that she she's very high up in the police force, and um, she is worried that Frank is also after Frank. So Frank Castle is also after her because yeah. it turns out that his wife and children were killed in a shootout as a result of a sting operation on a bunch of like drug lords and stuff that went completely wrong, and it went wrong because of her. Yeah, it was it was a bad call on her part. And that was basically it. and she's been trying to sort of cover this up. And it's they all assume that she's trying to work her way up the ranks with corrupt ways and stuff. But actually, it turns out she's just trying to cover up a little mistake that little. led to quite a lot of deaths. Not really a little mistake. <laughs> I think as Karen says herself, it was a massacre, not a little mistake. Yeah, yeah. But then she sort of says how her daughter is now in like police protection out of state and stuff like that like she's and because she's not dressed in that sort of super sheer suit that she always wears she's in like a sweat top and that sort of thing you suddenly get this last minute bit of humanity from her and you're like you are someone who's just scared basically and then and very suddenly she gets killed and but i thought that was really good that they didn't just make her sort of a pantomime villain that you boo and hiss whenever she walks on that's, that's the thing with them. They do very good shades of grey. And I think fear is probably very divisive in how it makes us act. Like Karen is afraid a lot of the time, but she's still, you could say she's braver than Matt in lots of ways because she goes into these situations without super, super skills. And she is desperate to do the right thing, even if she's afraid. Whereas, yeah, people like Reyes will do the wrong thing because they're scared. It's 
quite interesting. Karen, for me, was the hero of the whole thing. I know that Matt is the superhero, Daredevil's the superhero, but Karen, I felt uh, she was the most engaging character for me because she was the one who, she doesn't really know what's going on. She doesn't feel, because at least Foggy knows that Matt is Daredevil and he can kind of rely on that. Karen doesn't have that knowledge. Karen's literally like on her own. And, but she's so courageous. And she, like you say, even though she's scared, she'll carry on and do the right thing. It was a very, so she's a kind of becomes a bit of a calming presence for Frank Castle because she sort of has empathy for him and is realizes that he is completely like PTSD'd by uh, the deaths that he's encountered, the life that he's had. Um, and it's a kind of, a, it's a bit of, well, it's a bit like Hulk and Black Widow, I guess. It's a pretty good, it's a sort of darker version of that, but he's also a bit King Kong-like that you've got like the woman calming the the aggressive angry man um because she's she's very level even when she's terrified she's very like she's got her shit together like, I also yeah, wanted... yeah. when she gets the gun out and she's like pointing at him like frank i will shoot frank castle i will shoot you mm. but she has that presence of mind to be like i'm going to defend myself in this situation she doesn't hide in a cupboard which is probably what i would have done <laughs> just <laughs> embarrassed myself yeah um, and um she is she's the one who keeps foggy going because um during the hot frank's trial matt is a bit preoccupied with electra and the hand and all that stuff mm. and he's a bit sort of pulled ev every which way so she's kind of saying to foggy foggy you can do this you're also a lawyer and he's like no matt's the good looking charismatic one she's like no you can do it and she like she's the like real driving force behind him mm. finding the confidence in himself as well I think she it's very easy to make her the boring one because she is pretty much all good. Like she never really puts a foot wrong. Although she makes mistakes, she is ne never does a bad thing. But you kind of you're behind her all the way. She's just so gutsy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kept wanting to call her Donna because I don't know if you've seen the West Wing, but she looks exactly like Donna in the West Wing and Ooh. even behaves like her sometimes. Like I Actually, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the problem with Karen is it's got such bad connotations to it now as a name. <laughs> Freaking Karen. <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh, you kind of need a better name than this, love. Maybe you can change it just, be, just because. I don't know. She never wants to speak to the manager, though, so it's okay. It's true. And she hasn't got the Karen haircut. She doesn't, know. No, her hair is long and luscious. <laughs> yeah. I also love that she's a journalist and she's the kind of journalist who, a bit like Carrie Bradshaw, will, will write. And she looks beautiful while she's writing. Like she's just like staring and it all just flows perfectly from her mind. There's no like, oh, what's another word for smell? <laughs> or whatever it is that journalists do. You should have had a moment where she's like, and then I got to thinking, <laughs> we're all talking about the Punisher, but are we, what about the punish him? <laughs> yeah, I would have enjoyed that. A little spin-off. I do like the journalist way of looking at things in the, the Marvel world. It's nice to see it from their perspective as well, how they're presenting it to the public. I like the bit where, because she's got her journalist friend, the guy, and he was in the first season briefly, and they kind of refer back to, is it Ben, who was the journalist who died in the first season? And um, there's a bit where he, like, because Frank Castle's out and about, and he they think that Frank is going to kill Karen as well, go after her in some way. And he says to her, I've got a police escort for you to take you back home. She's like, don't do your patriarchy thing on me. And he, me, like, where were you when, when, you know, Ben was off on his own and stuff. He's like, it's because of Ben, I'm giving you a police escort. So take it. And she's yeah. just shut down completely. And I quite liked that, you know, it brought up that kind of like, 
patriarchy thing, but mm. pointed out that actually this guy is not doing it because of, you know, man thinking he needs to protect woman. He's doing it for actual practical reasons. I mean, there's a freaking killer on the loose. So that's a pretty good practical reason, really. <laughs> yeah, he's probably dealing with a lot of guilt for not providing Ben with a police escort of his own last time. He's like, damn, I should have done more to protect that guy. Electra, I thought was really cool. Um, I had I looked up the actress because I loved her accents. It was it's like, amazing, right? I know. She's French Cambodian. She needs to do audiobooks because I would listen to everything. I know. She just had charisma oozing out of every pore in her body. I was I just couldn't take my eyes off her. She was fab. Really liked her. Yeah, she's good. And it's nice having an lecture. I don't know. Did you ever see the Daredevil movie? Yeah. Well, I watched it once when it came out and didn't bother again. Yeah, it's nice to have an Electra. You're like, you seem, yeah, you seem like you got this in hand. I believe in you as a person. It, wasn't it Jennifer Garner? Yeah, who, and, and Ben Affleck. And, yeah, I, I, it was a bit, they're a bit too sort of soft around the edges. They are, they're both very like cute. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing here on the roof? Whereas um, this, uh, I can't even remember the, act the, actress, the actress who plays Electra. She's like a Elodie. knife on legs. Yeah, Elodie Young? Yes. I can't remember her name. I can't remember any of the actors' I'm pretty names. Sure it's Young. Um, She's the lecturer. There we go. <laughs> she is really, really good. Really good. Very, like, and you kind of believed everything she did. Like she's, she's always sort of watching. She reminds me a bit of um, uh, what's her name? Villanelle. Hmm. Yeah. Because she's very sort of sardonic, and she's always sort of watching, and you kind of think, oh, she's not as dangerous as the Punisher, but it's because she's way more. She's like a coiled spring, just waiting to go. Bloop, bloop. And then when Stick decides to kill her, because so she is the Black Sky, which is some sort of like entity that the Hand wants in order to take over the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doesn't go into a lot of detail about what that is, but I get the impression they'll fill that in maybe in season three or something, because at the end, Electra has died. She sort of let herself be killed because she's like, I can't go into the hands of, oh, the hands of the hands. <laughs> Didn't even mean to say it like that. And she can't fall into the hands hands mm. but um so she has to die so that they cannot get the black sky but they've put her inside that sort of magic box thing surrounded by blood so i guess they're trying to like bring her back to life or something i guess <laughs> i guess otherwise what is what is it like a weird ornament for their creepy living room of dead people that they like to store they're gonna taxidermy her we're like yeah. norman bates in <laughs> Psycho. or that little road doll short story with the horrible old woman who taxidermies all those poor young boys oh i've never read that one that sounds horrible oh it's so dark this guy turns up at a and b and he's like oh your dog's very quiet and she's like well, it's only one shilling and there's only like four names in the book and he recognizes them all but he doesn't know why and mm. all these little hints are dropped that they're all boys who've gone missing <gasps> and he starts drinking tea and it's all like tastes like almonds it's not horrible but he doesn't like it and you're like oh no don't drink it. it's poison and everything in the room is taxidermied and you're gonna stay here forever and she's like oh he was just like you the last boy not a blemish on his body and he's like what <laughs> and then it ends and you're like oh god can't believe he wrote children's books i know they well they're quite dark too to be fair but that's one of the darkest books he's done that is that's screwed up i'm gonna read that, that yeah i'd love that I'll lend it to you. I'll send it to you in the post. I love Claire Temp. Sorry, no, 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 night nurse. I love her. I love that she is always the the sort of more aggressive voice of reason. Like Donna, no, not Donna. Sorry, Karen is is I call her Donna because of the West Wing, but Karen is like 
the gutsy voice of reason in that she's like, I know this is impossible, but it's the right thing to do. So I'm going to do it. Whereas Claire Temple's like, that's impossible. I'm out. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And she's always playing around. And she, she's like, there's a lot of things wrong with you. But this is my least favorite thing. <laughs> like um, Karen. Yeah. Karen will like face death in the face. Whereas night nurse is like, fuck this. I'm going upstate. Bye. <laughs> it's completely fair. Completely fair. <laughs> She knows he's trouble. And he literally brings all those like undead zombie people into her hospital. I would be angry, mm. personally. Well, I guess in America, you earn money for your patients. So maybe she should be grateful. I don't, I don't know how it works. Yeah. And I guess she, she kind of draws attention to the fact that um, she says at one point something like, well, um, because someone says to her, you're so moody or, or you're so miserable all the time. And she's like, well, when you've stitched up the same gangster several times in one week, then come back to me. And that you kind of get this sense of mm. fatigue and just because she sees, I mean, this must be the case with nurses now and doctors that they just see these people who come in all the time with, you know, having come from like some gang fight or brawl or something like that, or, you know, mm -hmm. nurses on the front line during the whole COVID situation as well, that they're just so fed up and become quite sort of nihilistic, I guess, yeah. with the world. And it's, you know, yeah, I think, but I like that she, cause she was in Jessica Jones briefly and she's becoming this kind of um, constant, this sort mm -hmm. of connection between the series. Although we also get old Carrie Ann Moss, um, having a little cameo as well, which I thought was a nice connection at the it end. It was, wasn't it? Although I am sad that Foggy goes with goes with it as a theory. He's like, yep, more money and you. And I'm like, no, she's evil. <laughs> you don't understand. But I love that trajectory with Foggy because he's been, he's discovered through the trial and Matt being, Matt's, he gets really pissed off with Matt because Matt is off like fighting ninjas and shit when he's supposed to be helping him with the trial. But Foggy gets like, sort of held up by Karen, discovers that actually he's quite good at this on his own and then can get like a decent salary and a, be a better career just mm. joining a big corporation. And I quite like that that's happened because that's, you know, it's, it's kind of understandable really, isn't it? It's, you yeah. know, he's gone from this really difficult but fulfilling job into something that's much easier and doesn't put him on the front line of danger at all times. Yeah, and again, Shades of Grey, we know he's a nice person, but people sometimes compromise things because they need to, they need to make more money and they want to get ahead in the world. And Was he shade number 29? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. See how he goes for the next season. <laughs> <laughs> Carriage is shade one. Well, I quite like, I was going to say, I feel, I feel like quite a lot of the um, the movies, the supporting characters feel very much like I'm the supporting character. And it's not a bad thing, but I feel like in this series, everyone feels like a very fleshed out character. They do. Um, I think that was maybe something they did well as a, for me as an improvement on the first series is that they spent so much time on... Um, Matt Murdock's kind of moral compass mm. and where it's pointing to. Whereas in here, there is a bit of that, but, and he is kind of challenged, his moral compass is challenged by Frank Castle's situation and, and, and sort of political views. But there are other things going on that can occupy you. If you are a bit like me, you're a bit bored by that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it just, it didn't even get confused at any point. There was a lot going on at one point, but it didn't get confused. And I just, it made me just, I can't wait for the next season now, even though it's for quite, a, we have to get through quite a few bit of stuff before we get to the next season. I know you've got a while to wait. And Fisk is also still very terrifying as well. Was with mm. my only other thing, like when Matt goes to confront him, you're like, well, you're safe. You're confronting him in prison. People will be watching you. And he still like just goes to town on his face and you're like, oh, he's so powerful even now. I like that he was briefly in it because yeah, you should, you see how Fisk has gone into prison 
and found that he's not top dog in here, but he's finding a way to become top dog. Um, and he sort of gradually, and he uses uh, Frank Castle slash The Punisher uh, for those purposes. And then it kind of leaves him. He's in like a sort of three episodes or so in the middle. Yeah. And then it, it kind of, Frank then goes back out of prison. You don't see Fisk again for a bit. And I think that was really well done because they think the writers are obviously thinking in the long term. They're thinking there's going to be another season. Let's let's leave some breadcrumbs that we can pick up a little bit later, um, which is really important to do. I think you can't just think you know one episode, one episode, one episode. You've got to mm. you know think ahead. You've got to Game of Thrones it up. You do, and it means that we don't have get well, similar to big Game of Thrones. I guess you don't have one big bad for this season. You've got lots of. Lots of bads. He is clearly being set up as a, a bigger bad for later. <laughs> yes. Um, but you don't you don't really ever know where these punches are going to be thrown from next. You've always got something new. You don't just have one person you're fixated on, which I think is very good. Precisely. And they have so many ninjas, the hands. So many ninjas, and they can just make more. They do. They could just they could just like get anyone and make them a ninja. They always seem to go for Japanese people. Mm. What's that about? <laughs> They can control nice drug addict looking people in the hospital. Oh yeah, that's true. But they didn't make them ninjas. They were just sort of like zombies, weren't they? At least they had no blood. It's true. It's necessary, that is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But you prefer to be a ninja or a zombie? I'm gonna guess zombie ninja. A ninja would be fun. Mm. But I wouldn't like to be an undead ninja, just like as a hobby. These guys have obviously made it their or been forced to make it their career. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, very much like they're be all and end all. They're not just yeah. doing it on the side, like, a, <laughs> <laughs> like a crochet activity during lockdown. Yeah, there is a sense that in the final sort of fight scene between Daredevil, Electra, and all the ninjas, when there's a whole army of them on the rooftop, you do get a real sense of how the hell are they going to get out of this because he's at such a disadvantage with them, like, he can't hear them quite as well because they're, of their lack of heartbeat. She's not as strong a fighter as he, well, she, she's pretty strong, but they're just outnumbered completely. Yeah. Um, she's yeah. been trained quite similarly to him, but she's also got quite a lot of other, like they've got very similar fighting styles, which I like, because you can tell they've been trained by the same person, mm. but they've also got their own flair almost. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. I love the scene where, she, I love the scene where the French guy tries to kill her. And there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's a bar in the air hangar. She's in an air hangar with a plane and just walk you don't even see the bar she just kind of like walks towards the camera stops and sits down there's like a little sort of table that, like right in front of the camera and she just goes like whiskey please <laughs> i love that whole scene where she's like are you so you're going to is this your way of saying you're going to kill me then he's like i suppose so she's he's like we like, oui. <laughs> no stop keeping me waiting then and then she just destroys him as mm. she quite rightly should with her little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle weapons is how I see them. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. They're forks. Just little kitchen forks. Yeah. <laughs> Just from both sides as well. There's no way he's coming back from that. What would you give it out of five then? Um, I give it a good five. I really enjoyed it. That and Jessica Jones season one. I think it is now officially uh, put Daredevil as second place in my TV series rankings with Jessica Jones number one, Daredevil number two. Agent Carter number three, definitely. Because Agent Carter was let down so badly by their second season. Yeah, well, they were. That's why they don't get any more. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I understand that they're number four on your list. Then, they, don't, they, don't, they don't warrant a number. It's just, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just exists, as far as I'm concerned. There are so many people who love it, and I feel like we're being so unreasonable. But I'm a Marvel fan, and I really don't care for it. So I don't know. I think it's because we do have slightly... St- 
snobbish streaks yeah I do <laughs> I, I watch a lot of shit like I watch a lot of 90s stuff as well at the moment like I'm watching Stargate which mm. is brilliant uh I, you're watching them and you're enjoying them for nostalgic purposes but if you first came to them now mm. I think you might struggle with them like I remember well, going back and watching the X-Files having watched it when I was younger I did realize that it's very 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 outdated now in terms of its style and stuff it was it was yeah. some episodes were so boring <laughs> the way it's filmed I think we've discussed this before like so many episodes we used to watch them on a weekly basis they do like little standalone stories they'd sometimes have like mm. it'd always be a 90s trope I've noticed because I was watching Friends as well that episode where they just they just do a flashback episode where like oh remember how we all met and they're like do 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 and it rewinds time and just shows all these clips and you're like oh every clip show the clip show episode yeah I hate it. And yeah. I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. probably could get away with doing that because the episodes are so, <laughs> so many of them. Because you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank so you for guessable. clearing it up. I could use that. Yeah. Yeah. Not but we'll we'll deal with that issue of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when we get to season three. <laughs> it's on the horizon. Okay, I will quiz you. It's a shorter quiz than normal because... Nothing much has changed. Nothing much has changed. Yeah, so it's it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions long. Mm. Oh no, six. <laughs> I counted oh. one too many. I'll I'll make it sound more fun than it is. Okay, what do you think it got out of hundred for Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, Eighty-nine. Oh, 81. Really? Yeah. So do I like it more than everyone else? Then you do. Yeah, most people preferred season one. Well, most people are wrong. Well, I mean, we'll see. But (laughs) the critical consensus reads, bolstered by some impressive action, Daredevil keeps its footing in season two, even if its new adversaries can't quite fill the void left by Wilson Fisk. I don't agree with that. I thought the adversaries definitely filled the void. They're zombies. Zombie ninjas. They're zombie ninjas. (laughs) How can they not fill the void? I don't know if they mean physically he's a big, looming person, but... You know, there's lots of them. They could all just come in at the is, same time. Is Wilson Fisk a zombie ninja that Daredevil cannot hear? No. No, he's not. Big twist. He's a zombie ninja who he can't hear in the next season. Dum, dum, dum. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and I can't tell you how much it made because Netflix doesn't reveal stuff like that. It doesn't even reveal really often mm. how many people stream something. Like they will when it's Bridgerton. They're like, it's the most streamed show of all time. But they won't really tell you normally so it's not it's not like it's a bit like donald trump's tax returns you just don't know know. you're like i assume it's doing well because you kept going of a a third season but you can say Mm. all right um punisher finds a little disc in his house before he torches it he does what was that well i'm gonna ask you what does it say on it it said micro it did well done okay so that's a tease for um this guy in the comics called Microchip, who supplies Punisher with all his like tech and weapons. And he's basically a little bit like a psychic, but you know, not really a psychic. So it's a darker universe. Psychic implies like a little kid who's like like the little kid in Indiana Jones in the Temple yeah. of Doom. Oh geez, Punisher, I'd love to help you out. <laughs> oh, good golly. <laughs> and, but no, it's not like that. He he just supplies him with many, many terrifying weapons. <laughs> he could still say oh golly he could, oh golly gosh here's a new kind of rifle it goes through eight people at once careful don't point it at me ha 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 
yeah, I, I could go with that. Maybe we should audition to be <laughs> micro in the next series. We're too old. <laughs> I can put the voice on. I'll just be some sort of, <gasps> like the little paperclip from Microsoft. I'll be like that. Talking yes, to- it looks like you could need some help. <laughs> Would you like some weapons with that? <laughs> Did you recognise the motorcycle gang in the first episode? They did ring a bell, the dogs of hell. Mm. I did, it did ring a bell. I felt w- w- they weren't in, maybe, I, I thought, I assumed they were in the first season of Daredevil, but maybe they were in something else. They were in something else. Oh, what they were, were they in? One of your least favorite TV shows. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they're Lorelei's motorcycle gang. Oh, really? The ones that she get takes control of? Yeah, the dogs of hell. That's it. Ah, well, that was one of my favorite episodes. So, do you know where the Punisher and Kingpin are housed in prison? Like, you know, A, B, C, D, F, G. Oh, which cell block? A. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's um, it's D, and that is relevant because that's where they house the worst inmates at Alcatraz. Oh, really? I don't know what the D stands. I'm... Demonic inmates. Demonic. <laughs> Devil. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if it stands for anything or if it's just, you know, a cool letter that they've gone for. Mm. Mm. Um, what colour is Electra wearing when she's laid to rest? Is she wearing purple? No, she's no, wearing... no, she's red. She's more like a reddish. Uh, she, no, purple is Kilgrave. She wore a lot of red. Yeah, so in the comics, she is like her costume is red. But they didn't really want to do red in this series because Daredevil wears red. So mm. it would kind of apparently be far too confusing for us watching to have two people in red. It wasn't like it wasn't like scarlet red. It was more like a it was a kind of like red wine red, like mm. a purpley red, wasn't it? Yeah, like her little sash and stuff. But that last the last shot of what she's wearing in her coffin is most similar to what she wears in the comics. Mm. And then they they obviously had a few other little references to the larger MCU, but they avoided referencing Marvel too much in the series. And can you guess why? No, I can't guess why. I'm guessing that they didn't want to give away too much plot about upcoming movies, upcoming Avengers movies or something. Now, see, the thing is of Netflix is they can do their own things. So they can do what mm-hmm. they want, but um, they wanted it to be very localized so what they've said is that they wanted to keep it in hell's kitchen and focus on the small issues like the air conditioner doesn't work at their office mm-hmm. um there's a guy around the corner who like overcharged you for a pretzel and they want to keep it very real and feel very authentic and right i think when you go into the marvel universe for them they were worried it would feel too much like it was being tacked on yeah yeah so yeah. it gives them their own voice i guess doesn't it yeah yeah and just i guess because it's such a realistic series apart from the ninja zombies as Priffle mentioned but <laughs> it's like the it's like the the marvel alternative for grown-ups isn't it it's like you know you had doctor who and you also had torchwood for the mm. grown-ups and you had the sarah jane adventures for the little ones it is such a shame that netflix doesn't have any any marvel shows now but disney disney disney, disney were very <laughs> they were very upset about sharing they're like the worst kind of child I think Disney basically tied up Netflix. Netflix's producers held up their contracts and went, we burn these now. <laughs> destroyed them all. Yeah, and that's basically that's basically all I had, really. I mean, you kind of you spotted Hogue Hog up, so that was, you know. She had a whole scene. I know, I was like, I was going to be like. I, it's not like an Alfred Hitchcock cameo. It's, I know, but I, was, <laughs> I watched it the first time and then in your head you're like, was that a big moment? And then I rewatched it this time and was like, 
No, she's she's quite quite visually there, so that's not a question. She's right there. Yeah. The next one you'll be glad to know is a film. Yeah. A film next. It's uh, Captain America. The no, not the Winter Soldier. We've watched the Winter Soldier. The other one. The Civil other Captain. War. Civil War. That's it. <laughs> We're watching Civil War next, which is I... nice because we haven't had a film for a little while. It's been ages. Yeah, and I'm really. This is where it all. All the yeah, everything kind of changes a little bit from Marvel, so I'm intrigued to know what you think. Ooh, ooh, look at you <laughs> dropping little little carrots in front of my face there. Ooh. Go, on, go watch it right now. Do it. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna go watch it right now. This is the sound of me running off. <laughs> and I'm like, my plan is coming to fruition. <laughs> You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.